This is Louisiana Considered on WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge. I'm Diane Mack. Just ahead on today's show, masterful illusion and athletic contemporary dance will stretch your imagination as we go down the rabbit hole Momix style. We visit with the ballet company's artistic director, Moses Pendleton, whose latest creation, Alice, opens in New Orleans. And a beloved romance language gets top billing as the New Orleans Film Society kicks off its 26th annual French Film Festival. But first, last Sunday marked the 58th anniversary of the Selma to Montgomery march that ended in what we know as Bloody Sunday in Selma, Alabama. But just six weeks ago, a devastating tornado ravaged the city and recovery efforts are still underway. WBHM's Cody Short traveled to the community to find out more about what this year's Jubilee means to residents. In 1965, Annie Pearl Avery was one of the many victims of Bloody Sunday. How you doing, Miss Annie? Okay. She was arrested at the bottom of Edmund Pettus Bridge. She lives here in Selma now. She's part of the history of this town. She's someone that people see when they gather at the foot of the bridge every year during the bridge crossing jubilee to remember that violence. Mother Nature for all the time, too, is is having something to do with it. I'm not going to be doing as much as I used to do, but I will be involved. <laughs> Avery was in her home when a tornado tore through Selma in January. I could see the glass when the glass and windows were breaking. I could see the glass flying through the house. And I sit right there in one spot. It wasn't hitting me. I could see it, though. Her home was severely damaged. The bricks on her porch were blown off into some nearby trees. Her detached garage was completely destroyed. And Avery says she's nervous about this year's celebration since there is still so much visible damage from the storm. There needs to be uh, probably more money coming in to, to, to help with some of this damage and stuff because FEMA's not going to do everything. Selma is full of civil rights activists who participated in that March for Voting Rights. A lot of them have been doing this work their entire lives, including former Alabama State Senator Hank Sanders. <laughs> he and his wife started the Jubilee 30 years ago. In his office, we're surrounded by palm trees, there are all these tall windows with lots of natural light, and it's decorated with beautiful African art. It seems so distant from the storm-damaged buildings just a few blocks away. Sanders sees a kind of spiritual symbolism in the damage. It was something unique about uh, that tornado. That tornado never hit the ground. It hovered about 50 feet above the ground for 23 miles. That's why with all of the destruction you see, not one person was injured. Not one life was lost. He says the Jubilee weekend is an opportunity to understand and appreciate what they still have and to rebuild a beloved community. Right before we sat down, President Joe Biden announced that he'd be in town for the celebration this year. If the president of the United States thinks it is important to be at the bridge crossing Jubilee, uh, then the tens of thousands who come will become twenties of thousands because they know how important this is. 
It just has, it's such powerful symbolism. And Although some cleanup efforts Selma. have started, there's still a lot to be done. Selma's mayor, James Perkins Jr., says some people had a hard time wrapping their minds around moving forward with the celebration this year. While we are in the midst of disaster recovery, and I remind people that we have um, people coming into our community from across the world, uh, and there's nothing like laying eyes on the tragedy that we've experienced here. Back in Sanders' office, he says there's an opportunity here. Usually people come to Selma for the weekend, but they don't stay in Selma. They come and they have their, because it's a pilgrimage, they have their spirit renewed with the symbolism and the power of the moment. They don't even stay a night. They don't even buy a sandwich. And they this year, the community could really use the extra year, help. Uh, cross the bridge, be renewed, share, share your experiences, gather the information, get stronger, but also be a bridge to Selma. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Cody Short. The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration among public media stations in Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, this is Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. The internationally renowned contemporary dance company Momix is heading to the Crescent City as the New Orleans Ballet Association presents the company's newest work, Alice, a creation by artistic director Moses Pendleton, inspired by Lewis Carroll's classic Alice in Wonderland. Moses Pendleton joins us by phone. Welcome to the program. Oh, yes. Uh, me and my phone are happy to be here. You know, it's always fun <laughs> to hear just how you plan to stretch our imaginations through the art of dance and illusion. Is this a retelling of Alice in Wonderland, or does this journey move us in a new direction? Well, I hope it moves you uh, in some direction, whether it's new <laughs> or old new, remains to be seen. But indeed, I was uh, very inspired by Alice in Wonderland, but I must say and warn the audience that we're not really doing the book so much as we use the book in Lewis Carroll's wild sense of nonsense to inspire a new Momix show. It might even be better to see it as uh, Alice in Momix land. But uh, we did use it as an inspiration and a way to kind of hang the imagery on and then put it through the Momix <laughs> alchemical retort and spin it and see what we came up with. And uh, I do think it is in the style and, and in the history of Alice in Wonderland, it was many people's uh, impressions of uh, Alice in Wonderland perhaps more impressed me than the actual book. Uh, in particular, the Disney from the 50s, the Disney version of Alice was, you know, an indelible image in the back of my cortex. Yeah. Tell us about your process in creating new works. How did you come to choose this classic story? I think it might have chosen me. You know, many times throughout our Momix history, we've been referred to as very Alice in Wonderland-like. It was almost a way to describe Momix even before we did Alice. And how we go about working it is we take that idea as a theme. Instead of having a, you know, a caterpillar uh, sitting on a hookah, you know, puffing away, we used large exercise balls, uh, blue exercise balls that you use in the gym, and formed sculpturally, visually, a, a caterpillar of sorts. It's not quite abstract, but it could be. <laughs> and, it, and then we use it to make a dance out of it, because 
The show needs to have entertainment and music and uh, movement uh, in the style of uh, Momix's pieces. So that's what people like Salvador Dali and other artists throughout history of Alice have uh, taken great liberties with the story and visualized it in terms of their own personal unconscious or their own personal art or their own personal rabbit hole. So why would you say that this classic fantasy story was such a good fit for Momix? I think, well, the, it was certainly Lewis Carroll with his his uh, keen sense of nonsense and visual puns and, and, and puns, the surrealism of it, the uh, madness, you know, that all seems to ring certain bells in our collective <laughs> head. For, for Momix, I think it's not so much, you know, the story or the the logic, but just the surprise and the uh, the trip. We just come from Florida, actually, and many of the reviewers were saying, "I don't know if this was a dance show, but it certainly was a trip." You know, and, <laughs> and for the most part, a good trip. As you know, Alice in Wonderland initially was called Alice Underground, which is kind of a negative thing, I guess. Uh, but so Lewis changed it to Wonderland, uh, and you know, I think you can see. Uh, you know, something that's a little edgier than something as sweet. But, of course, in the fashion of Lewis Carroll, it was a bit nightmarish and horrifying. I was terrified by the Disney production <laughs> in the end. The Queen of Hearts really did keep me up at night. <laughs> so let's set the stage, Moses. What will we experience in this surreal fantasy world? Can you describe a dance or two for us? Yes, there's another piece we do which was kind of like another chapter. If Lewis Carroll uh, came to the Momix show, he might even be tempted to write another chapter in Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Momix's a very, uh, you know, proper company. I, I, I might have t- told you that joke years ago. You know, we use a lot of props. We're very proper. <laughs> uh, but we use them to, in a way like a sculpture or a visual artist to create, you know, imaginary creatures that are part human, part non-human, part animal, part crystal, part, you know, tree. Uh, and and part of uh, what Lewis was talking about, you know, a garden of imaginary beings or giant flowers. And, and so we took off with that. We took, for example, white stretch fabric, and, and then the dancers inside the stretch bag. And then we put large uh, exercise balls inside and then projected onto that. So it created uh, a kind of fascinating creature, uh, somewhat comic and bizarre. We call them molar bears. And the reason we call them molar bears is that if you align these dancers inside these stretch fabrics with uh, exercise balls, with projections, uh, you could see someone, uh, a large uh, set of teeth (laughs) or molars. (laughs) But if they move in another way, they, they instantly metamorphose, change in front of your face, in a second, and become molar bears or polar bears that are molars that became polar, and they hop off and on to the next scene. It's a little uh, escape into a, a wild, uh, imaginative, visual, and physical theater, and it's quite entertaining, and I think uh, lots of fun, actually, to watch. And it's fast-moving, very uh, and typical of Momix. It has almost a surreal, vaudevillian dynamic, so there are short pieces of, uh, you know, Caterpillar and then into the Cheshire Cat. It was all done on point uh, and, and, and odd uh, and, and various kinds of music, 21 pieces of music that I put together kind of in this musical collage that I hope uh, works. Of course, the whole idea of Alice is changing your scale, you know, eat me, drink me, make me small, make me tall, you know, go ask her when she's 10 feet tall. And we... Uh, 
not only grow Alice, we, we also expand her horizontally and multiply her with five Momix girls running around in little white dresses. I, when I first started to do Alice, I thought, well, the first thing to do is uh, if you put Momix girls in little, you know, tattered white dresses, uh, then we're we were already into Alice. <laughs> they look like Alice's, the multiples of them, <laughs> ally, we call them. <laughs> and uh, there is that uh, feeling of uh, changing in scale that is also uh, part of uh, the, the, the mind of Lewis Carroll and the, and the mind of, of uh, the dream world, really. I mean, hopefully it's not a nightmare, and but that's what happens then. You know, things get very tall, and they can get very, very small. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely yeah, fascinating. So tell me, where did Momix get its name from? Momix is the name of a milk supplement for veal calves, but then it became an idea of Moses Mix, uh, which is the idea of the show. Is It's neither dance nor circus nor ballet nor visual theater, but it's a mix of all of those, you know, in the alchemical way of putting lots of different kinds of styles into a retort and spinning it into a Momix show. And so it's, it's Moses Mix, and the, the idea of the mix, it's not just me, it's not Moses Pendleton, it's really a mix of me and, and my collaborators uh, and to come up with all this madness. And what do you think audiences will talk about long after seeing this performance? I think they, people shouldn't need to know too much to enjoy the moment show and get in benefit that way, just if it's nothing but an exchange of energy for the positive. Momix Artistic Director, Moses Pendleton. It's been fun talking with you. Oh, well, I, I'm glad that it's been fun. We'll, we'll, we'll leave with a capital F. <laughs> All right, Moses. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Next time we'll uh, continue on, I guess, Diane, okay? All right. I'm looking forward to right. it. The New Orleans Ballet Association presents Momix in Alice. Saturday, March 11th at the Mahalia Jackson Theater for the Performing Arts. More at nobadance.com. If you are in the Acadiana area, Momix will bring its fantastical Alice to the Heyman Center. Wednesday, March 8th, more info on this performance can be found at pasaonline.org. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. The New Orleans Film Society kicks off its 26th annual New Orleans French Film Festival this week. It's one of the longest-running foreign language festivals in the country, with both in-person screenings and a virtual cinema. Clint Bowie, Artistic Director of the New Orleans Film Society, joins us now with details. Welcome to Louisiana Considered. Thank you so much for having me here. You know, there is always a lot of excitement around this festival. What is the big draw to this cinema event? You know, there's something special about French cinema, and there always has been, from the French New Wave directors like Agnès Varda and Jean-Luc Godard to some of the auteurs who are working today, like uh, François Ouzon and Michel Hazanavicius, whose, whose work we're showing in this festival. There's just something that stands out about French cinema and I think really attracts people. There's an air of mystery and intrigue and romance to French cinema, and we've certainly got that in the festival this year. As you roll out the red carpet, what will theatergoers experience on opening night? 
Our opening night film this year is a film called Madeline Collins, and it's a bit of an old-fashioned take on cinema. Chaque fois c'est la même histoire. Elle est joyeuse quand tu arrives, et bouleversée quand tu repars. C'est très dur pour elle. Tu sais mon cœur, je vais travailler. Uh, it starts with a mystery that unravels throughout the film, and it stars an incredibly powerful performance by an actress named Virginie Efira. And she's somewhat new to the cinema stage in France, and she's actually starring in three films that we're showing this year. How many films are being offered, and which countries are represented this year? 17 films in total. That is 14 feature films, and then one shorts block that includes three short films. And they're from all over. The world of Francophonie is really worldwide. So we have films from Belgium, and we even have films that were made in uh, Greece and Italy. And we have films that were made right here in Louisiana. One film that we're particularly excited to show is a film called Tambu. It's the world premiere of this short film, and it was made in Louisiana Creole. It was made by a local director named Luke Harris, who went away to film school at USC, came back to tell the story of his own grandfather, who spoke Louisiana Creole. And it's a beautiful short film, and it will be world premiering as part of this year's French Film Fest. And the films are all with English subtitles? Yes, you do not have to speak French to attend. We got you covered. Now, how do you go about choosing these films? It's actually an easy process for this festival because there's so much good cinema out there from the French-speaking cinema sphere. We start about five months before the festival, and we solicit films from distributors and directly from filmmakers as well. And we have a process of reviewing the films and ultimately are trying to present films that we know are going to resonate with local audiences and are also aligned with the values of the New Orleans Film Society. Now, what film genres are represented? Everything. This festival <laughs> honestly has everything from uh, more lightweight comedies. We have a film called Two Tickets to Greece that is really a buddy comedy that's got some rom-com elements to it. And we also have a zombie film called oh, wow. Final Cut. And I, I'll, I'll say that zombie movies are not typically my cup of tea, but this is a delightful film. It's honestly more of a comedic approach to filmmaking than it is a zombie film. And this film was directed by Michel Hazanavicius, someone I just mentioned. And he actually directed the film The Artist, which won the Academy Award for Best Picture back in 2012. So this, it might seem like a bit of a departure, but in terms of its style and tone, it's very much in keeping with The Artist. So if you think that zombie films are not for you, if you actually appreciated the <laughs> film The Artist, you should come out and check this one out. And you have a film depicting the life of the French mime, Marcel Marceau. Yes, The Art of Silence. Such an exciting film. This is a documentary about Marcel Marceau's life and his work. It goes into aspects of his life and childhood that had never really been revealed before. And it also features his grandson, who himself is entering a similar world of dance and mime, and it's a beautiful, touching portrait of an important artist. What else is being offered? You know, there's a film called Three Nights a Week that I'm so excited that we're showing, and the director is going to be here for it. He's coming in from France. Uh, his name is Florent Goulou, and the film is about a photographer's growing obsession with photographing this specific drag community in Paris. 
And even though he is coupled with a woman during the process of photographing this drag community, he becomes more and more enamored with one of the drag queens and eventually falls in love with this drag persona. And and it opens up this aspect of him and his own sexuality that's exciting to watch on screen, especially at a time when drag has become so politicized in um, the national arena. This film is really about celebrating the artistry of drag, and it really places drag queens as artists themselves, and it's exciting to see that on screen. Now, will audiences get to meet and greet the... Uh, yes, the filmmaker. The yes, filmmaker? Florent Galou will be here in person. He'll be introducing the film. He'll also be staying afterwards for a Q&A. He himself is a drag performer, so who knows if he'll show up in <laughs> drag, but we're excited to have him here nonetheless. Now, in addition to the in-person screenings. Mm -hmm. You also have a virtual stream. Tell us about that. That's right. This started with the pandemic, um, obviously, when we weren't able to gather in person. And it's something that's been so successful and we've found that audiences have really appreciated. So we've continued it, even though the in-person screenings have returned. And while not all films are available virtually, most of them are. And in fact, we have one film that is exclusive to virtual audiences. There's certainly a lot there for those who don't want to leave their house or who cannot leave their house or who aren't even based in New Orleans can still experience the festival. And what is that exclusive film? That film is called How to Be a Good Housewife, and it stars the incredible Juliette Binoche in the starring role. So the only opportunity to watch that is virtually, not in person. What happens on closing film night, and what is the film? So that film is called... Paris Revoir, and it also stars Virginie Efira, and is about her response to a traumatic, violent event, a mass shooting. And that's something that unfortunately has become the backdrop to our lives in so many ways. And the film, instead of focusing on that event, it focuses on her healing. And I think that it's a really important and beautiful testament to how we move through acts of violence and do so uh, collectively with community. It might sound like a film that would push you off, but it's a really beautiful look at what healing can look like. What are your thoughts in your 26th year now with this festival about its importance in our community? Uh, 26 years. You know, this is actually my 14th French film festival with this organization. I've been here quite a while, and it renews me every year, you know. Um, there's always something exciting to look for within French cinema. Uh, just new work from French artists who are really pushing the boundaries of cinema. It's There's something always exciting uh, with French cinema specifically. There is a specific um, special interest that I think many film fans have when it comes to cinema. And uh, we're excited to be able to present that yet again. Clint Bowie, Artistic Director of the New Orleans Film Society. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. The 26th Annual New Orleans French Film Festival will be held at the historic Britannia Theater and the Britannia Theaters at Canal Place, March 9th through 13th, and streaming virtual March 9th through 19th. Visit neworleansfilmsociety.org slash French Film Festival for more information. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. Thanks to our guest. 
From the Gulf States Newsroom, WBHM's Cody Short, Momix Artistic Director Moses Pendleton, and New Orleans Film Society Artistic Director Clint Bowie. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, and our digital editor is Caitlin Umholtz. Our engineers are Garrett Pittman and Aubrey Procell. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7.30 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcast. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation.